Hey there, true believers, and welcome to Simply Devotion, the podcast that takes complex theological ideas and breaks them down into points of simply understanding. I am your host, Pastor Vinny. And I'm the podcaster that likes to remind you, when life throws a monkey wrench at your head, Jesus is still the Logos, the logic, the reason, the word that builds your faith all the way back to the kingdom of God. Hey there, true believers. I am so glad that you are back with me for another podcast where Jesus is simply our devotion and our focus. And I want to tell you about an experience I had in a little town of Bethlehem. Maybe you've heard of Bethlehem, right? And I want to tell you about my visit to Bethlehem. I want to tell you about some particular things that happened to me on that visit to Bethlehem. And I want to connect them to the fact that this podcast is dropping or being released on New Year's Eve Eve. That is the evening before New Year's Eve. Now, that means the year is changing and times are changing and just as we are shifting our focus away from Christmas now and heading into the new year we want to shift our focus from all the crazy things that happened to us throughout 2020 You know, I don't know exactly when you're listening to this podcast, but this podcast is being released on December 30th, which is like the day before New Year's Eve. Actually, my podcast, that's a good point. I should tell you this. My podcast come out every Wednesday within a season. So what are seasons? Let's just talk about this a little bit before we jump into the focus of our devotion today, the focus of what we're going to really engage on a theological and experiential level. But my podcasts do come out every Wednesday. If you haven't on the habit yet. They come out at 10, 10 a.m. Yes, 10, 10 a.m. That's a very precise time, right? So they come out on Wednesdays because, you know, I know that like a lot of people don't get an opportunity to go to prayer meetings, particularly during the pandemic. There's not been a lot of prayer meetings going on. There's not been a lot of midweek services, you know, kind of stuff happening. Yeah, there's been Zoom meetings and stuff like that, but 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 I, I wanted this to come out on a Wednesday just because like so sort of honor that like 
midweek study time, that that midweek spiritual point that I just feel like so many Christians are missing out on. They they have like a weekend religion sometimes, and it's like by the time people get to church, I just can sometimes sense that they're a little bit more empty and a little bit more like stressed out. And, and so I wanted just to have something come out in the middle of the week just to encourage people and to help people. Now you're saying, okay, so we we get why Wednesdays. Well, there's another reason why Wednesdays. When I was growing up as a kid and I would rush down to the comic book store, comic books, the new comic book day, new comic book release day was always Wednesday. I think they shipped and came into the comic book store on Tuesdays, but my comic book store always released them on, you know, um, Wednesdays. You know, I'm a huge, huge fan of comic books. I grew up reading them. I still read them. Shh, don't tell anybody. No, most people know that about me. Um, but they came out Wednesday mornings. The comic book store opened around 10 o'clock. You're starting to see my theme here. Good things should come out Wednesday around 10 o'clock. <laughs> and then I was thinking about one of my favorite Bible verses. It was just sort of stuck in my head. It's John 10, 10. So this podcast comes out Wednesday at 10 10 a.m. That's when it drops. In honor of one of my favorite Bible verses. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not my favorite part. (laughs) But Jesus has come. That we may have life. And we may have life abundantly. Or some translation says, in fullness, in completeness. And so, you know, our focus is about Jesus, right? And and we, we want to have this, like, life. And we, we don't want to just, like, be maimed and hurting and beat up and, you know, doing our deal with the thief and, you know, trying not to get destroyed. Um, and so we want Jesus. We want Jesus. We want life. We, and I don't want just life. I want the best of life. I want to be the best me, and I want to experience the best of what Jesus has in store for me and for you. So this podcast will keep, you know, within its seasons, it will keep coming out Wednesdays at 10 o'clock, 10 minutes after hour. It probably doesn't matter, but I'm sure most people aren't going to like, oh, 10 minutes is going to come out. Probably people are like, catching it a couple days later, maybe a month later, whenever. But I just want to help my podcast audience sort of have a good and fun way to remember when they can expect the podcast to come out. Now, this podcast will come out in seasons. What does that mean? It means it will come out weekly, Wednesdays at 10, 10, every week within a season. Just like when you watch television, there are seasons and seasons come to an end and, you know, there's nothing coming out over the summer. And there's only so many episodes of a television show in a season. Well, the same is true for podcasting or at least this version of podcasting I'm doing. So I haven't decided yet. I'm just going to be honest with you. So I haven't decided yet how many episodes of this podcast will be in a season yet. But I'll figure that out and you keep listening and I'll keep you up to date. I just wanted to take care of that before I jumped into the main content of today's podcast. And if you're still with me, yay! You can put your hands together because all my boring housekeeping administrative stuff is now done and into the content. 
So many of you know who have um, attended my church or listened to my sermons or read my blogs or maybe you're on my social media. Many of you know that a couple years ago I had like an incredible opportunity of a lifetime to go to Israel. I went to Israel. I went to all the major sites and uh, saw so many things that just really impacted my understanding of Jesus's world. Like that was the thing. It wasn't just that I was there and I was seeing these holy sites or these religious sites. It was like it impacted my worldview of Jesus. I understood his world a little bit more. I began to see how small or how big areas were. I, you know, took a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee and much, much more. I'm not going to tell you all of those stories now because, you know, as I tell this podcast over the many episodes that hopefully are forthcoming, probably elements of this trip will come up again because we're focusing on Jesus and I have so many vivid memories of being in his homeland. That said, the Christians in Israel, and yes, there are Christians in Israel. It's not just Jewish people or Muslim people. There are Christians of many traditions in Israel. In fact, they look after many of the churches and the various holy sites as well. Some Christians in Israel have um, secretly been living there throughout all the ages and, you know, proudly trace back their heritage to the Byzantine era. And, you know, they probably track back their ancestry. You know, even while the Jews were in exile, there were still people living in that land, maybe dating back to the Christian fathers even perhaps. But that said, if they are Christians who are native to the land, or if they are modern day Christians who have, you know, either immigrated in or came as tourists, whatever the case may be, the Christians in Israel would tell us we have four gospels in the Bible. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And now here in Israel, you find the fifth gospel, the land of Israel itself, the city of Jerusalem itself, the whole region of Judah, they would say, is the fifth gospel. It's a pretty interesting take and a bit of a boisterous claim, maybe a little bit more than, you know, those words might mean because it was really impactful for me to be there. It's not like someone would have to go there and see those things in order to understand Jesus. Sure, did it help? Did it make things click? Did I take away a lot of impactful insights? And was it even emotional at times to see these places and to engage in them? Absolutely. But they are not on the level of Matthew or being there is not on the level of Luke or definitely John, which is my favorite of the four Gospels. But I did learn a lot being there. And so, you know, over Christmas, as I was doing some of these podcasts and thinking about you all and wondering how many people would actually listen to this podcast, it had me thinking back to my trip to Bethlehem. I was pretty excited to go to Bethlehem. I'd already been to Jerusalem 
multiple times throughout the trip. In fact, we were from a good part of the trip actually camped out in a hotel in in Jerusalem itself. It was an amazing experience. But that said, going to Bethlehem was one of the, in my mind, highlights, you know, to to go to Bethlehem and to see where Jesus was born. Now, in Israel, when you go through the Holy Lands and you go to these big sites where these tremendous history-changing events happened, where, you know, God actually came to earth and where God was born in human form, like, that's pretty amazing. And even more amazing is the fact that the early church, the church fathers, were able to identify and leave clues behind and landmarks behind for many years later, we would be able to find the location of many of these holy sites. And then in the 3rd or the 4th century, when Helena and Constantine converted to Christianity, they went back and they excavated and and helped restore these sites and so furthermore early in christianity these sites were identified now one of the things that most people who visit israel for the first time are troubled by and we just need to talk about it and then not be troubled about it many people are troubled by the fact that First of all, these sites often have gigantic churches or cathedrals built on them. And like, so, you know, the site that you see may be the site, but it's not like you would picture it in your head. It's a giant cathedral and you go to the spot in the cathedral and they tell you that's where that happened. Many Christians get upset about that, but that's actually a good thing because if those cathedrals were not there marking those places, we first, we'd never find them. Second of all, these churches protected these sites from those who would want to have done harm to the history of the church. So those churches were actually protecting in every place where something significant happened. It's not like the place has been fully preserved in a manner that it's just like it was in our mind when we read the story that Jesus was away in a manger, right? You know, like we, this brings consultations to our mind and, you know, those, those ideas we have in our mind of what the birthplace of Jesus would have been like are, you know, first of all, probably not historically accurate anyways. You know, Jesus was probably, you know, we think about our Christmas manger scenes and we put Jesus in this little like uh, wooden sort of uh, crib and, you know, we, we, we have him out in the barn with horses and, you know, well, yeah, he was with animals. Sure, he was in a manger, but there were no barns. There were no, there's not a lot of wood or lumber even in Israel. It's, it's kind of deserty and dirty, you know. They generally lived in hallowed-out caves. And so Jesus was probably born in a manger. You know, and so the story goes there was no room in the inn. Well, again, we got to think about that historically. And, you know, I'm not going to get into all of those details here today because I, I, the purpose of today's podcast is to look at the birth of Jesus as a point of which the world had to change. But still, Jesus was probably born more in a mud or cave-like structure, which was 
many of the houses were like that in those regions at that time. But but not only that, you know, we have this idea that there was no room for him in the inn. And what does that even mean? An inn is an English word. <laughs> like like a medieval English word worded that, you know, like there's no room at the inn, you know, uh, you know, um, sounds very Charles Dickens to me, right? Like, no, you know, such things didn't even exist in Palestine in the first century. It's not like you're like going to go to a Holiday Inn <laughs> or you're going to book a room at Comfort Inn in the first century. There's no sort of like travel industry. If you're going to stay someplace, you're going to stay with a relative or a family member. And sometimes, you know, you might not make it to a relative or a family member's house. So you were dependent upon the kindness of strangers. Then you think about it, there's, there's all kinds of provisions about this in the Old Testament, the Torah, we, you know, be kind to foreigners traveling through your lands, be kind to soldiers, you know, we, we, we find all that stuff in the Old Testament. And we can see that that was normal. The word in, what we understand that word to mean is very anglicized, very westernized, very modern. You know, it does say in Luke 2, verse 7, that she brought forth her first son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a man manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Double N's in English, I-N-N, the inn, right? That should settle it. You know, he, Jesus and his parents didn't have any room at, you know, budget inn. And so they... They had to sleep in the barn. Therefore, don't you be messing with my manger scenes and, 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 and don't you take away my nativity set because we have it right. Well, I'm sorry. Please keep your nativity set. I'm sure it's beautiful, but Jesus probably um, was not in a manger in the way that we think of it, nor were his parents trying to get to some sort of lodging place that we would loosely associate with an inn. It's just, you kind of think about it. They're on the road, poor Mary, I'm assuming she's in the back of a donkey, you know, she's pregnant and she goes into labor. Can there be a worse scenario in our mind? Like this is, so they, they got to figure out where they're going to go. What's going to happen, you know? Labor pains are coming, contractions are coming, you know, it's a still a long way off before we get home. We we need to find lodging. Now the Greek word for in is katalama. I'll say that again because it's something we're not used to. Katalama. Say it with me. No one will know. Katalama. Katalama. It is the word we translate as in. And fair enough, because it simply means a lodging place. So you can see why when they were translating the Bible into English, they used the word in. But it doesn't mean in as in a commercial outlet. It means in as in a place where you can lodge. In fact, in the Strong's Concordance, Catalama could 
also be not just a lodging place, but a guest chamber. So a much more likely explanation is Mary and Joseph knew that she was about to give birth. They're on the way to the city of David so that they can pay their taxes, you know, because the end of the year always brings a tax man around, right? And so they're trying to get their taxes paid, but she goes into birth or into labor and she's about to give birth. And what are they going to do? And so they need to find a place of lodging, not a commercial outlet, not a strip mall with rooms you can rent. They're looking for a place of shelter, a place of lodging. And, you know, in first century Israel, what that meant was a good neighbor, a good friend. Like you just like you couldn't just rent a room. It doesn't work like that. You knock on someone's door and you plead for help. Now, this kind of makes more sense when we think about the story this way, because we can see that there might not be enough room in this person's house. Okay, she's pregnant. She's going into labor. They're just trying to make it to the city. They don't got time to go knocking on everyone's door and run around. So they, they knock on this guy's door and they're like, my wife's going to give birth. What am I going to do? Can you help me? He's like, I would love to take her in. But, you know, the houses are very small. They're, they're made out of mud and, and, and clay and, and often caves. Like they're often they're not like caves like cavemen, but they're often light caves. They're hewed out of the rock and the dirt. And they're like, there's just not room here. But there is room in the manger. Now, the manger's not going to be this spacious, beautiful nativity scene that we have with the stars in the sky and, you know, the the, the lean-over porch and, you know, all the, the hay and, the, you know, American barnyard animals in the middle of a Bethlehem nativity scene. You know, it's just not what you should expect. And I'm talking about the nativity scene in the manger because we have to understand first the inn and that it's a house or a guest room to understand the manger. The confusion is because Luke uses this word fauté, fauté in Greek, and it's related to the root word eat, but it seems to mean crib in context. So maybe it was like a box that they put food in for animals, but then used for a crib. So the story actually is that there was no room in the guest house, and so Jesus was born in a crib. This is really messing with my nativity scene world. So where did all the animals come from? Why is it in a barnyard scene? What, what's the deal here? Well, the word fontaine could also mean uh, trough, perhaps, like crib trough, like square thing, basically. Square thing, you could put a baby in it, you could put food in it, you know? Here's the thing, though. Having been to Palestine and having seen how houses are even modernly designed in parts of the countryside of Palestine and having visited these sort of biblical sites and particularly up in Nazareth, which is a little bit of a ways from Bethlehem, but the same sort of countryside, same kind of housing. When you visit the the um, historical um, reconstruction village they have of Nazareth, they've reconstructed the village there. And you can get a really good feel for how the housing was put together. What it was like, you, you can see how these houses were designed and it just sort of makes sense to you. Basically, people lived on like the second floor or if not a second floor in the house, you know, if it was hedged out of the um, 
the rock or the clay the further back room in the house. So either on a second floor, if it was uh, a complete man-made structure, or in the back room, if it was a partly man-made structure and partly hedged out structure. So, but what they didn't do is live in the front normally. Now, I want you to think about it. A thief comes to kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and that you may have life more abundantly. Remember that, John 10, 10? Well, you didn't leave your animals outside at night because you just didn't do it. So this idea that Jesus was in some sort of um, barnyard or, you know, sort of stall where, where you put your horse, which, I don't know, they had donkeys. I don't know if you put donkeys in stalls or not, but the point is that's not what it's referring to. People brought their animals inside and they kept them in the front part of their house, which is why they lived on the second floor or in the back room of the house because, you know, animals make biological messes. And so you sort of just clean that out in the morning out the front door and you live in the more clean part of the house, you know, in the very back rooms or in the second level. So Jesus was no room in the inn. There's no room in the main part of the house. So he was in the guest house. There's no room in the guest house. The second room, if there's a second room. So he's in the part where of the house, he's still in probably the house where the animals were also at. So it kind of just messes with our nativity scene. Now, I realize I've been explaining to you with words and you know, definitions to try to help you understand what this looked like, which is kind of what you got to do in a podcast because you can't show a picture or can you check the show notes and in the show notes, I will put a link to a picture that will show you what a typical house in Palestine was like and is still to some degree designed like in the countryside. You will see where the animals go and you will see where the people live. Uh, If you're Go to my website, simplyvinny.com, click on the podcast um, menu. You will scroll down and find this particular episode, and it will be the cover for it. So you can see the picture, and you can see what this is like. All of this is to make a point. Christmas and the changing of eons, ages, maybe is not always what we thought it was or should be. Christmas was a changing of the ages, an ending of the ages. Just like this Christmas right now is a changing of the ages as we head into our current new year. Just as we are so eager this year to be done with 2000. And 20, aren't we? Like, come on. Someone someone ought to give me a hallelujah so loud that I can hear it, you know, all the way back here in my office. You know, we're so ready for 2020 to be over. Well, they were so ready for their era to be over. They were so ready for the Messiah to come, for the Prince of Peace to come, for him to usher in a new time, a new age. It was going to be the age of the Gentiles. It was going to be the age of inclusion. It was going to be the age of where Israel reached its glory that it should have been. But is that what happened? And this is problematic to me as I think about this and I think about... 
endings and beginnings and middles. After all, it was Matthew, the gospel writer, who told us in the first chapter of his gospel that there was 14 generations from Abraham, the father of faith, to David, the king of faith. There were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, and then from David to Babylon to tragedy. And there were 14 more generations from the exile of Babylon to the Messiah, the prince of peace, the one who was supposed to usher in a generation where, you know, there would be no more separation between the peoples and there would just be like this powerful king that yes he could be powerful and yes he, he could have might and yes he may even in their mindset have been willing to use military force to usher in a new generation but there would be peace he would be the desire of the nation as Haggai said in chapter 2 verse 7 after all isn't that what the angel told the shepherds do not be afraid I bring you good news about the end of this age. Do not be afraid, the angel said to the shepherds. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for your people. Today, today, in the town of David, a Savior, a Savior, he has been born to you. He is Messiah. He is King. He is Prince of Peace. He is Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And Luke goes on to say, and suddenly, suddenly there's this great company of heavenly angels. These angels appeared all over the sky before these shepherds, and they appeared singing a choristral song to these shepherds. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those in whom God's favor rests. Glory to God in the highest, and peace be with man. Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, because God has shown you the favor of giving you his Messiah. Glory to God in heaven, but peace, peace with man, peace with mankind, peace be to you is what the angels proclaimed at his birth. Glory, glory, glory. Peace be with you because God is pleased with whom God is pleased. Luke 2 verse 14. And you see, this is where my experience in Bethlehem all comes to a head. This is why I told you all this story about the way, the thief wanting to steal the animals and where the animals were kept in the house, in the guest house, underneath the porch. And this is why I told you about going to Bethlehem and how special it was. And this is why I told you how expectations can change when you see what's really there. Because I went to this cathedral, this giant Byzantine church. It is so beautiful beautiful pillars in it painted with golden colors of royalty and it just looks like like what you would expect to find in a place where a king was born gold everywhere the the apostles are are painted onto the pillars and there's these beautiful decorations down off the the high ceilings of these cathedrals and we're there and I'm there and we're there just as the 
building, the church, the cathedral is going to close. But, but, but our guide, he knows the bishop, and he gets us in, and we're there, and 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 we're waiting in line, and we're we're going to go downstairs because it was a cave where Jesus was born. It was it was hewn out of rock, and we're going to go downstairs, and we're going to see a very spot where the King, the Prince of Peace, the Messiah, the one who would bring the nations together, was born. We're going to see it. We're going to see it. We're going to be there. We're going, you know. And as we're in line, the people came in behind us after they closed the door. They start to push. Like, here we are. We're in line. To go down these stairs, you go, you go down one side, you see the spot where Jesus was born. They have a little star on the ground to commemorate it so you know you're looking at the right spot. How they know it's that exact, exact spot, I don't know. But that's what they tell you we do know that's probably the cave because the early christians have marked it and 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 for centuries passed that information along but aside from all that we're going to the spot the historical spot where we believe the prince of peace the the the, the king the messiah that would would usher in a new era would be born in in, in because they're about to close and everyone's trying to get down these stairs you go down one side and you come back up the other side and it leads you outside into the it leads you outside into the courtyard, and then you can exit the property or take your pictures, whatever you want to do at this very special place. But we're in line, and there's just a few people behind us that they let in after us because they're getting ready to close this place. And there's actually temple police or or church police, and they're 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 securing the property, right? Because they work for the bishop. They're like security guards and they're making sure everything's being done in order. But 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 because these people who came in after us, because they thought we were going to be the last people, but then somehow they got in. I don't know if they snuck in or or someone wasn't paying attention, but there's like a group of 50, 75, maybe more people behind us. And, and you know, it's going to take all the time just for us to get down those stairs because there's probably a hundred people in front of us waiting to go downstairs to see this little star to see this little spot on the ground where they say that jesus was born right and and so they start to push us from behind here we are going downstairs to see the place that jesus is born and there are other christians behind us pushing us and i just thought to myself how can this be how can it be that we're going to the birthplace of the one that the angels appeared to the shepherds to and they declared that it was going to be peace on earth, but there's not even peace 2,000 years in the place where the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, was born. Sure, it wasn't like they were throwing us down the stairs. It was just like that crowded room shop, the kind where... It's just like awkward and uncomfortable. Like there's people shoving you and they're just like in a hurry. They're afraid they're not going to get down. Like it's not like we were going to be tossed off a cliff or something, but it just the irony of this struck me. And there's significant irony even currently in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, it's in Palestine. But Jerusalem that like almost borders right on it is in Israel. Now, there's a slight difference between Palestine and Israel. Palestine is in Israel, but Israel is not in Palestine. Let me explain. After the Jews were dispersed in 70 AD at the destruction of the temple, they went into what we generally call dispersia, right? They went, some of them went down to Africa and some of them 
went up to Europe and spread out through Europe. And we know about the rise of anti-Semitism in, you know, the first part of last century. And that continued on and we had the Second World War. And after the Second World War, there was a sentiment that we needed to do something to fix this problem that, you know, persecuted the Jews. The problem is that the land that had been traditionally Israel in the first century had moved on. It was now called Palestine. And the people who lived there were Muslim, but not just Muslim. I, I think that's a myth that needs to be corrected because I don't think we need to keep propagating this idea that the conflict in the Middle East has to do with Jews and Muslims. There's a lot more political forces at play. Nonetheless, while it was predominantly Muslim, and there were also some Jews who had began to migrate back there, and there were also some Christians there. It was kind of a mix, but mostly Muslim. It was under the British rule, and um, the UN became involved, and to make a long story short, they began to divide up territory over what they would allow to become Israel, and the formation of a new Israel after the Second World War because of all the persecution they have had versus what parts of the land would remain Palestinian. In a nutshell, what you had was the formation of two states or two sovereign nations that existed on the same piece of land that was traditionally saw as one nation. It basically becomes political after this, and I don't really want to be political. That is not the purpose of this podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to think about Jesus theologically and reflect on why he is the center of our devotion. That said, I can see the sides of both in this conflict. The Jews had traditionally owned the land, been given the land by Yahweh, if we believe the biblical account, which I do. And, you know, they had been thrown off the land by the Romans under the siege in 70 AD. And then the, and then the dispersia, which followed, you know, a couple thousand years of anti-Semitic discrimination, which came to a head by the time of the Second World War and the rise of Nazism. Now, I understand the need to give them back their state and to give them back an identity and to attach them back to their heritage. On the other hand, I can also understand the Palestinians' point of view. They had settled in this land and they had been in this land and, and this had become their land for, you know, almost as long as the Jews had been gone. And, and so now, what, we have to share our land? We have to give up our home and we have to give up our place of worship and our religion. So it's a complicated issue and it's not an issue that I'm going to solve in this podcast, but we can have sympathy. Some wars were fought over this conflict and some peace agreements came into play, but I want to focus on Bethlehem. Oh, that little town of Bethlehem. Well, that sweet little Christmas song town, that... That, that sweet little Christmas story town, that, that sweet little spot on earth where the angel appeared to the shepherds and declared peace on mankind and declared that mankind would have unity now because of the Messiah that was born here. That little town of Bethlehem has a giant wall on the edge of it, a barrier a gigantic fence and 
guards and snipers separating it from Israel because it's on the Palestinian side of the divide. Now, how you feel about that is also very conflicted. Israel calls it a security barrier against terrorism, while Palestinians call it a racial segregation or apartheid wall. And so it's loaded. But my point is not the politics here, but the division. Just to stop and think about the irony, as I thought about when I was in Bethlehem, and there was shoving in the line to see the place where the Prince of Peace, the Messiah, that would bring unity to the world was born. And then as I exit the city and I, I drove out of Bethlehem and I crossed the border and went through a checkpoint with security guards and machine rifles and all that kind of things. Like, you know, and I'm just thinking, this is the little town of Bethlehem. This is the place that the angels declared peace and God's favor on man. This is the place where the Messiah who would come and unite everything was born. And look how much we changed that narrative. Look how much, I'm not blaming either side. I'm not blaming the people in in the line at the church who were shoving. I'm not blaming everyone. Just look how much we have changed God's intention. God's intention was to usher in a new era. God's intention was for a new age. God's intention was that there would be a new sense of peace and unity and Gentiles and Jews would not need to be separated, but we are still separated, which brings me to the point of this year ending. It brings me to the point that we were a few days past Christmas and a couple days before 2001. And have we ever been more divided ourselves right now, even in the church? You know, are we liberals or conservatives or moderates? And, you know, what do we do about politics and why do we hate each other even within the church because we disagree with each other and I just think about these things and I I think about you know even how we'll fight over do you wear a mask do you not wear a mask and is the government's regulations over the pandemic too invasive or not invasive enough it's just like we are so divided this year we've had racial division and we've, we, we have had police brutality and I'm not getting political again, but I am always on the side of justice and equality and righteousness and the need to reform in order to get to a place where people are treated fair and equal, where God's favor is really on man and there really is peace on earth. The scriptures tell us the shepherds were in a nearby field to Bethlehem, perhaps out on the field where that wall goes through now. They were keeping watch over their flocks. An angel appeared to them with the glory of the Lord, and he said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for not just your people, but for all people today, today in the town of David, oh, the little town of Bethlehem, a savior has been born unto you and he is Messiah. He 
is the anointed king of Israel. He is Messiah the Lord, and this shall be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothing, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a great company of heavenly hosts and angels surrounding the field and angels praising and singing out loud to the shepherds in the field. Glory, glory, glory to God. Glory to God in the highest of heaven and on earth. Peace to those who God's favor rests on. My question is what are you going to do as this era ends? This pandemic era will come to an end, but 2020 is coming to an end either way. Are you going to continue the fight of the left and the right? Are you going to continue to fight to mask up, to mask, to not mask up? Are you going to continue the fight to vaccinate or not vaccinate? Or are you going to be a healer? You doesn't need to change how you feel about any political issue. But you can hold your opinions and you can hold your individuality and still love peace and still show peace and still remind people God's favor is on them. 2020 or 2021, a new era has come. It is the era of the Gentiles. It came at the birth of Christ. And it, this era is almost over. Jesus will come again. Glory, glory is how the angels sang. Glory, glory is how those who want to join that choir will sing. As Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He has left it to each of us to decide. Will we continue the legacy of rebellion against the declaration of the angels at his birth? Or we really believe glory, glory is deserved to be given on earth as the angels from heaven did when they came. Will you continue the message of peace and favor on mankind? That's to be determined in 2021. You have been listening to a podcast by Pastor Vinny McIsaac from simplyvinny.com. Stop by our website, check out our blogs, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, all that kind of jazzy promotional stuff. But most important, let's keep growing together in Jesus Christ all the more as we see the day of his return approaching. See you at the next podcast. God bless.